Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 9.5 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast for Friday, October 26, 2017. Coming up on today's show, we've got all things Blue Brand, a breakdown of last night's NXT, along with some financial information that you won't want to miss. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Talking creative, the business aspects of professional wrestling, and of course, giving our unsolicited opinions. You can contact the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, joined alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me. It's RBV, Rick Vickery here, and... And oh, so good to be back again. Love talking wrestling with Yago, my friend. How you doing, brother? Hanging out and being cool, man. Hanging out and being cool. It's like Christmas Day, I, Financial Information Day. I love today. I, when I when I saw that alert come up, you just told me that you were going to get some get some Z's coming off that third shift, and and it alerted. And I said, "Oh shit!" You know, here we go. And then the next thing you know, I was up until quarter to eleven. Motherfucker. Dedication, baby. That is dedication. Talking about dedication. I mean, dedication has been watching the product this week. I wasn't impressed with Raw, as you can clearly tell by episode 9. And here we are at episode 9.5, and it's time to talk all things Blue Brand. Well, let's jump into it. I know we've got a, a lot of things that we are excited about in this program, but we'll get some... And it, not to say that we are totally down on, on this SmackDown episode, but... We're going to get through that and then get to some fun stuff later in the episode here. I don't know, man. I'm pretty down on this episode. I'm, I'm pretty down on this episode. I didn't take a lot from it. it that's, the, that's the problem. It's like, it didn't do anything. It was a running in place episode. You know, they had a lot of the fans, you know, that tuned in that were really expecting for Raw to strike back. And, you know, going in, I was very vocal about this that I didn't think it was the right time. And I'm glad that they did not physically show up. I, I just wish there would have been more of a play towards the feud that's going on between the brands instead of simple, oh, we have security here. Well, here's the thing. We know that they quote unquote spiked a rating out of this show. And obviously the conclusion to jump to is people turned in from Raw because of the big angle at the end, right? That's correct. And everyone... Not everyone, a, a good majority of people were expecting retaliation from it. But, you know, in my mind, it was good to hold off because, you know, as we were talking about on the last episode, you know, Angle, he seems a bit smarter now. He's a tactician. He's going to hold back a little bit. But there were some things that they, that they could have done there to, I don't know, to, you know, to really entice the fans' interest to, to put that question in your mind, okay, when is this going to happen? What's happening? And it was almost, and they did have some things that, some seeds they planted internally in the blue brand, but as for the overall program, you know, they, they, they kind of fell flat on it. That's kind of how I felt too. It just felt like a very flat episode. Like you said last week, you do pass or fail. This is a C. It was just average. It didn't pass. Yeah, I, it didn't I, fail. It I, I would there. almost, I, I would even go a little bit lower, maybe like a D plus C minus. Gosh. If I'm feeling generous and I guess we'll give it the, uh, we'll call it the, the lazy creative curve, I'll give it a C minus. So the show kicks off with Shane O'Mac and his hand me down Triple H leather jacket. Oh, you son of a bitch, stole my line. I did steal your line. <laughs> Straight out from under you. <laughs> yeah, how about that though? Like, all right, now we know that he's tough and means business. Because he's you know, wearing he's a not, leather jacket. 
Yeah, he's got the Triple H hand me down. Now you know he means business. You know, I, I kind of thought maybe he stole Finn Balor's jacket. Like maybe that seems like something SmackDown would do. You know, like like we're gonna run, we're gonna run crazy backstage. We're gonna beat the shit out of everybody, and then just to prove a point, I'm gonna steal Finn Balor's leather jacket. Yeah, you already it's already mob mentality. Shane Shane seems like why that not kind of guy. I mean, because we all know Shane McMahon can't afford a real leather jacket. Leather boy Shane. Sami Zayn comes out. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of this happy music with Sami Zayn. Can we please get Sami Zayn some different music? The over-sarcastic dancing just doesn't do it for me. It, you know, it was hitting the mark for me the first two times out. Now it's just like, okay, we get it. Yeah, we got it. You're a heel, Sammy. We get it. We get it. Now, now, can you get some kind of ominous music that's not recorded by Real Big Fish? And then this, I mean, I, coming out of the gate here, I just felt disappointed. I don't know, maybe because, you know, just, you know, talking with you and some of the ideas we had here were, thing, you know, directions they could go in to really start heating up this program. Not, I mean, not just the program here between KO, Sammy, and Shane, but, you know, with the brand war that's going on here. Were you surprised by the crowd response for Shane? The welcome back chance and the big pop that he got. Everybody's happy to see Shane McMahon. It's like, did you miss his heel turn last night on Raw? Yeah, I mean, did you completely see this here? And I, and this goes back here to you know, I you know we wanted like a an in depth story. We wanted something that would you know get our minds going get some emotion going i can understand why they do what they do now because most of the shit's just going to go over a lot of these people's heads they just they they've come so accustomed to the slowest combinator the combinator booking shit see that's why i steal your lines because you trip over them <laughs> yeah it's my line i can't get i'm so frustrated with it but it was, i was really set off from the get-go here now, let's talk about the Sami Zayn promo, because I love the Sami Zayn promo, and you hated the Sami Zayn promo, and conflict is always good for the show. What did you not like about the promo? I didn't have anything against the promo. It was the whole point of it. You know, I couldn't stand that he came out and that they were going to offer their services to SmackDown Live. I mean, that, that right there just blew me away. Well, you could hear the overly sarcastic and facetious tone here. I don't know. I, I wanted him to. I wanted him to come out and just call Shane out on his complete. You know that he's a total hypocrite. Yeah, I. It's not the promo I would have went with, but I thought Sammy was great in delivering this promo. Okay, okay. Listen, we all know. Let's not fuck around here. You want us on Team SmackDown? We talked about it. We're not going to rake you over the coals. It's just Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn being nice guys being willing to do business for the sake of doing business. And then Shane McMahon has to go and be a dick again. That's what I took from it. Well, and the whole, I, instead of just going, I, what I was take, taking from it, that they didn't really go at him is because they're trying to protect that Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon character so they can still spin him in some absurd way that he is the good guy in this. I see no way Shane is the good guy in this. I see no way. You just, you just said he's getting that pop, and they're trying to put these spins on some things here. Shane sets up Sami Zayn versus Randy Orton. 
I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about that because it's not worth talking about later in the show. I mean, the match was the match. Orton goes over. So Sami Zayn now on the outside looking in. We also know that we have Kevin Owens versus Shinsuke Nakamura next week. Given this week's result, I assume Nakamura wins next week. So what the fuck are we doing here? I'm going to agree with you there with next week. But, you know, I thought, you know, going back to the match that we had on this week's SmackDown between Sammy and Orton, it it was solid enough TV main event. I enjoyed the the back and forth between them in the ring. Yeah, the match was fine. I thought it was a mistake to hold Kevin Owens off to the end of the show for a failed run-in. Agreed. Uh, with with how just kind of stagnant the rest of this episode was leading up to this point, it really could have used that KO flavor somewhere in there. Well, what I didn't understand is why didn't Owens come out with Sammy during the promo? That's what I didn't understand. I wasn't even expecting Kevin Owens on this show, so when he didn't come out, I just assumed he wasn't even there. And I think that was probably their logic because you know they they know people know some things here that Kevin's been was left the tour for some personal issues. So when he didn't come out with Sammy, I just assumed, hey, he, you know, he's still taking care of his personal business. And then to have a surprise like that at the end that just completely backfires. It just fell flat. That fell flat for me. And I could see maybe they're going, they're, they, they've got a plan to go forward with it. But just in this moment of this episode, man, I really felt they could have used Kevin throughout this episode to really give it a little bit more flair. And then, he's, and then they make the announcement that next week that he will be facing Nakamura for a, that second spot on Team SmackDown for Survivor Series. And just like you, I expect KO to lose. And then that is when I feel that, that him and Sammy will begin to badmouth Team SmackDown Live, and it, which, which to me is going to end up coming off like a missed opportunity where they could have done this right from the get-go. It's going to be a missed opportunity to build some serious heat on a real program that has substance going forward instead of just this brand war. Yeah, like I, I understand the logic thus far. So you put Sammy versus Orton. Orton goes over. Sammy's on the outside looking in. You do Owens versus Nakamura. Owens loses. Owens is on the outside looking in. But where in the hell does the story go from there? Like I, I just I don't understand... I mean, I'm looking at the calendar and I'm seeing we have this many shows until Survivor Series. And I'm just not seeing where it's all going to go from here. It's just we have three, three shows, correct? Yeah. So at some point there, you know, I expect because I mean, you do expect them to be on Team SmackDown, don't you? I'm not entirely sure. I at this point, I could see them after that, after they are denied their opportunities you know, and I expect almost some sort of same finish that we saw this week. I mean, not exactly the same way it plays out, but the end result where something backfires and Nakamura gets the victory over KO. So now you've got Sammy and Kevin, you know, from the outside looking in. And then maybe at that, at that point, you know, they don't care about SmackDown Live. So and so, yada, yada, yada. And maybe they, maybe they end up costing the blue brand that match at, at Survivor Series. Well, that'd be an interesting way to go. Or there is a, a rumor out there now, which I'm not completely buying into this at, at this point, that that Brian, which I will make, they're calling it a, a turn. Brian will make a turn of sorts and align himself 
with Sammy and Kevin Owens. See, and I don't, I saw this as well. And I just, that was actually the next thing I wanted to talk about anyway, was Daniel Bryan. How is anything that he did this week on SmackDown considered in any way, shape or form a heel turn? The one guy in the company with a moral compass at this point is somehow the bad guy. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Brian is acting as the voice of reason and a high moral standing. You know, Shane's the hypocrite who's acting like a lowlife. And, and Brian's the one that wants to do things, you know, professionally by the book. He wants to, to show that his, that his brand and his talents are true competitors. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand the logic of how anything that happened on television this week could be interpreted as Brian turning. Like, just because he didn't agree with Shane leading a mob into Raw to randomly jump a bunch of people and beat the crap out of them for no apparent fucking reason. He views that as a bad thing, so that makes him a bad person? What the hell kind of logical plane of existence are we on here? Well, you know, because uh, Shane comes out in his Jordans and does his little dance, and now he's got his leather coat, so he's cool. You know, he should be, the, he should be cheered completely but, baffling like i saw that story come up and i was just like where the fuck does this even come from how could you possibly interpret that as a turn did that come from i think that came from Meltzer's show wasn't it yeah and well, i'm sitting there listening to it like man they are completely off freaking base here man how, how do you yeah this is the greatest guy in the world app you should boo the shit out of him yeah i just <laughs> how are you and number two, how are you going to get people to boo Daniel Bryan at this point? Like, seriously. You know, when, when we were talking earlier this week, you know, I, and how we were, how displeased we were with the approach they took on Monday night with that mob mentality. And we were throwing out other ideas that they could have done to make this work. And we had discussed, you know, briefly that it, it, they could have even had Bryan lead this attack because they had a built-in reason where he could be angry at Kurt Angle for getting, you know, being allowed to compete in the WWE ring when he is forced to sit at the sit on the sidelines. Absolutely. You know, well, you know, but he's got that built-in reason. Yeah, because we all know it, that the company won't let Brian wrestle. Right, but you know, really thinking about it, I don't know if that would have been the right move either. Because I don't, if you got a damn brain in your head, I don't know if you turn Daniel Bryan. You know, people love him so much. They he is the most over him. baby face on SmackDown. Without he, question. He did great heel work, but right now he is so beloved that I just think that would have fell flat in, on itself. Yeah, I don't see any way you could turn Daniel Bryan heel at this point. I, I cannot think of one thing that Daniel Bryan could do that would turn him heel at this point. Not a I mean, one. Short of like hunting babies or something like that but yeah but even then i think it would take a while before people started going to the no chant Crazy. unless it was like a really ugly baby or some shit but that's true that's true you ever seen an ugly baby uh yeah yeah that, that bugs me when it's like one of the worst things like on facebook people post all these pictures of their kids and i'm sorry i'm gonna say that like 90 percent of babies are ugly Wow, you're they a got all these they bastard. Got, they got a, well, they don't start getting cute till they're like three years old. Then they're all like weird looking. No wonder you like Shane McMahon. 
<laughs> terrible human hey, being. Hey, no, no, I'm, I'm back in. I, hey, go back and check, check the, archi- the archives. I'm back in Raw. <laughs> You're the one back in that low life scumbag. Yeah, but I said from the beginning, bad guys over strong, man. Bad guys over strong. All right, you and all your you and your bad guys and your ugly babies can go hang out. Speaking of bad guys and ugly babies, let's move on to the tag division. Not really sure that works as a segue. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I bet you Chad Gable was an ugly baby. I bet you Chad Gable was an ugly baby. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. You see how tall he is? He still is an ugly baby. This show is just going to hell. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin taking on the Usos. Not in this show, but we had the Usos on commentary. And did we get a heel turn from Gable and Benjamin? Is that what's going on here? I kind of took it as that might be the, where they're going with a story for... Because, you know, Gable didn't see what happened there. You know, he just took took the pin. Okay, so now my next question is, so if Shelton Benjamin well, I guess, turns I guess maybe, heel... Should, should we lay out what happened there just in case somebody hasn't seen that? Who the hell or, were they facing? I don't even remember who they were in the ring with. The New Day. Oh, yeah, it was the New Day. So Gable throws him into the ropes. Benjamin with the knee to the back. Benjamin wraps up Woods for the pin. Gable has no idea what happened. And of course, we all know that none of the WWE wrestlers watch their matches on replay, so he'll never find out. I think they're like all like it's. I think they're all blocked from like you know television network all that. But you know it, what was interesting there is that they really sold. They really sold that point about getting that dirty win. Well, and that was the thing is the Usos are the ones that are like, hey, wait a minute. It's like, wait, did. Did the Usos turn babyface when they shook hands with the New Day? Kind of like, you know, they turned AJ Styles babyface when he shook hands with Shane McMahon. And I just missed the memo. Now, I, I took it more as like, you know, like that, that punk kid on the playground who who's always getting in trouble for something. But they're always, you know, they're pointing at, well, well, Jimmy was running. Well, to- Tommy was over there doing this. And that's what I kind of took it as. But when they, when they oversold... That maybe they had cheated to get that victory. I'm taking it as maybe they're starting to lay the groundwork for issues between Gable and Benjamin. Which I don't know. I am completely God, in favor of. Could you split of. up another tag team on SmackDown? Well, and that's and not just not just any tag team to do this again to Gable. I did like Gable beating the shit out of Jason Jordan on Raw. I did like that because I can understand why Chad Gable would want to beat the shit out of Jason Jordan. I completely 100% understand that. That's the, that's the one exception to the babyface heel turn that I will support. Now, see, to me, what you could really have with Gable there and his character, I don't think he would have, like, there, there might be some some deep resentment, but I don't think it would come out outward is pure hate like that to me if if it was gable i think this would be a great pre-show match but have, do it right do it with some honor do it as hey man have gable go to daniel bryan 
and say, you know, I want to do this your way, Brian. I want to do it with honor. Can you make it happen? I want to meet Jason Jordan one-on-one at this at Survivor Series brand war. I, I want to prove that we're the better brand, that I'm the better, the better star, and I want to do it right. Who are you higher on, Jordan or Gable? Personally, I, I think they could have so much success behind Gable. I just wonder if he'll ever get that, that real opportunity. I've always been high on Gable since the first time I saw him down in NXT. There's just something about that kid. And when they put him with Jason Jordan, I always felt like Gable was a Scott Steiner to Jordan's Rick Steiner. And I don't know. I, I just pulled him up here. This might be a case where if he's not really going to get a chance to shine and if they're going to run him through another tag team, if he's not really going to have a, a shot in that singles division, How maybe send him he? over. He's uh, 5'8", 202. So maybe he goes that route of going to 205, taking over that division, that show. Just dominate and, it with pure then, in-ring wrestling skill and his obnoxiousness. And then, and then get you know eyes back on him like, wait a minute. Maybe we were overlooking something special with this with this kid. Anybody who hasn't seen the build and the formation of American Alpha and NXT, go back and watch it because Gable is so fucking annoying. That ready, willing, and Gable thing. And then he finally just wins Jason Jordan over. And that's the story that was missing from American Alpha on the main roster. You never had a reason to care about that tag team other than... They were really good coming out of NXT. Yeah, it was, here they are. Take our word. They're awesome. And then they, they prematurely gave them their first championship on just a run-of-the-mill SmackDown episode. They didn't have any kind of significant build, didn't give us a big moment for it. It just kind of came out of nowhere. It was a complete swing and miss. They never got the casual audience behind those guys, and that was a damn shame. Damn shame. Somehow, if, if it's, they you know, have he's so to, young. somehow they have to find a way to adapt NXT to the main roster. I don't know how in the hell they do it, but they've got to do a better job than what they're doing of it because they've had way too many sure things that have been complete misses on the main roster. You know, thinking, thinking about it, I can't believe neither one of us mentioned him for our 205-6. God, I, I guess I never... I realize that he's short, but I always thought that he was a bit heavier than that. But yeah, they got him. They got him. Maybe that's just because he's built like a brick fucking shit house. Well, it's same, you know, same thing. It's like you wouldn't, you really wouldn't think that Pete Dunn falls under that umbrella. Yeah, not at all. And you know, really, even Neville with the way he's built. I was talking to our friend Alfred earlier, and when you even when you look at the NXT roster right now. Three quarters of that roster is bound for two hundred five live. the The talent is getting smaller. So let's move on to the real main event of SmackDown: the Fashion Files. This week we get Fashion Dogs. Oh, oh man! Do you, you really you don't like this? This is fantastic stuff. I I will admit I I chuckled a little bit. But I continue to lose interest in these bits. Okay, tell me, you're, are you a Quentin Tarantino fan? A, a little bit. 
I, I, I would say I wouldn't say like I'm over the top man, but I'm very familiar with his with his work. Maybe that's what's doing it for me because I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, with the exception of Death Proof. That movie fucking sucked. I love me some Quentin Tarantino. That we've done Pulp Fiction, we've now done Reservoir Dogs. I'm very disappointed that we're not going to like Jackie Brown or Django Unchained or. I, I could just do a whole run of Tarantino films here. Unfortunately, I'm afraid this is going to end up with our fearless hero, Tyler Breeze, being unfortunately murdered by the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm not looking forward to this, Rick. I'm not looking forward to this at all. I'll tell you what, man. It, kind of putting these things together. Like I said, you know, I chuckle a little bit at the fashion files. I, I'm just kind of losing interest in these bits. I'm ready to move on. And, and focus and focus on like an actual a feud, get these guys into the ring more. But all the Bludgeon Brothers, man, this is just coming off as as like a bad sci-fi movie. I mean, these promo packages are they're just campy. Yeah, I don't know what the hell they're doing here. I really don't. You know, when we kind of got like the teaser for this, I, I was really hoping for you know, something a little more sinister. It just seems so cliche and scripted and robotic and monotonic and big man smash. Yeah. And there's a couple times in the promo, too, like, I'm thinking, like, oh, if they end it here, okay, this could be cool. And then they just keep going. Like, all right, stop. Remember, the B in Brothers is silent. T- tell me you didn't pop for that. I, that was I fucking did. hilarious. That was one of the ones I laughed at, and then I really liked when they were they kept playing off the case, like another case closed. <laughs> <laughs> I, so love, I, I liked that. I love that uh, uh, Connor's drinking gasoline and they're reenacting the stuck in the middle with you. I love the little dance. Oh my gosh! If you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs, do yourself a favor. Make sure all the kids are in bed. Mr. Blonde starts dancing. It doesn't end well for the Mr. Officer. Baron Corbin and Sin Cara. Where is this going? (laughs) Like, are we legitimately supposed to believe that Sin Cara is a threat to Baron Corbin? I was going to say, you know, we just talked about Bludgeon Brothers and what the hell's going on there. Baron Corbin and Sin Cara. What the hell's going on here? It's, It's almost like we're just running in place. Everything's so wrapped up right now in, in what's going to happen with, with Survivor Series. And this, this Cara, it's just, it's just simple. This Cara BS is, is a stopgap right now. In case anybody was curious, this is the match that Kane and Finn Balor should have had. If you're going to do Kane and Finn Balor and you want to make Kane look like a monster, you have him just bludgeon people until the ref calls for the DQ. That would have made sense. And then in that, in that same, you know, in your philosophy there, it's not that, that Beller actually loses a wrestling match. It's just, oh, he just got beat up by a freaking monster. So, so you save a little bit of face there. Don't understand that logic still. I just don't understand it. Hold on, hold on here. My favorite segment. Sin Cara Watch 17. <laughs> Sin Cara, 2-0 against the United States champion. How many people can say that lately, huh? 
Well, besides everyone, I guess, but shit. But on Sin Cara's level, hey, that, those are two big wins. Everybody take them any way AJ you, Styles. Take them any way you can get them. But I, I, so what do you, do you think this thing ends? It's got to end here next week because they're going to need Corbin to start. Or do you think he just beats him up weekly until he gets Miz and then they just go right back to a, a serious program for him? Baron Corbin should not care who he's beating up on a weekly basis. That, to me, that should be Baron Corbin's character. Like, he should just show up every week, walk up to Daniel Bryan, and be like, who am I kicking the shit out of tonight? Yeah, but unfortunately, they're not doing that. I know they're not doing yeah. that. I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with Baron Corbin. Evidently, Baron Corbin can't win a match unless it's against fucking AJ Styles. Because that makes sense. I'm really hoping that in like six months, they've been looking at this and AJ's champion and Baron Corbin wants to challenge AJ because he's like the last person to pin him clean. Well, no, that won't work because Finn Balor. But you know what I mean? So that there's some kind of foresight here, but I'm just losing faith quick. It'll be interesting to see where they go with this thing. And, you know, like I said, this is a stopgap. They're just gearing up for... See, I when they... When they were saying if you're still champion by the time Survivor Series happens, Corbin was a name that jumped out to me like he might be the one that's not the champ by the time the show goes down. Yeah, but he's not going to lose to fucking Sin Cara. I, I know. So no, that, now that's kind of out. But you know, what, are the, what can they do here? we got three shows to go. I'm guessing Sin Cara might get another shot. So it's likely that he's going to go into Survivor Series with, with that title. And I don't think anyone's going to, as good as Miz is, I mean, that's going to be the only selling point in that match. I, this is going to be a flat freaking contest. Two guys that you aren't supposed to like facing each other. Red versus blue. That's how I feel I, about that. I don't know. In, in, my, in my mind, it's it's a guy with heat versus a guy with X-Pac heat. Who, Corbin? Yeah. I love Baron Corbin. I absolutely oh, I, love Baron Corbin. I am so checked out on him. I know there's potential there. I've liked some of his past work, but I don't know. Since Yeah, I've been know, up on Baron Corbin ever since NXT. I love that his whole gimmick is, I'm fucking better than you. Go ahead and hate me because I didn't run the fucking indie circuit for 15 years because I didn't fucking have to. Yeah, that, that was I love gimmick. that. I He's absolutely love that. And now... Yeah, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing with him other than changing his goddamn theme song every two or three weeks. Yeah, so I've checked out on him. I, I have no interest in anything he has going on. You mean to tell me that creative has ruined a talent for you? I can't imagine. Shut your mouth. It's time to hinder the gender. So Mitchell Cole said on SmackDown, by the way, I hate Mitchell Cole being on both shows, especially... When it's red versus fucking blue. Cole said, as long as both of these men are still champion in four weeks, Lesnar versus Mahal will take place. Is Mahal going to have a championship match between now and then that nobody knows about? Now, they, they have been, they've been stating this quite, quite a bit as of late. Somebody's going to lose their belt between now and Survivor Series. I, I have taken it that someone that there is going to be a title change before Survivor Series. I just don't think any way in hell it's either your WWE champion or and most certainly not your Universal champion. No, I don't no. think these. This match is set in stone. This is what triggered this whole 
champions versus champion thing that they've got going on. This match is going down. I think they're just kind of hammer home if they can if they can survive two Survivor Series just to try to build up a little drama there. I, I wasn't. I didn't really invest too much in it, especially here with with gender. Thought it was interesting that Jinder Mahal is still a heel. What about Blue Pride? Aren't we supposed to cheer Jinder Mahal in November? No. Well, if, you're, if you're back in the blue, no, you, you can't ever cheer him because you hate him because he's different. What did you think of Jinder's promo response to Paul Heyman? You know, last week he probably delivered one when he made the challenge. It was probably one of his, his best promos that we've seen from him. Absolutely. And then, and then this one, I almost could say it was a 180, man. I thought this was kind of garbage. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that he's going to microphone battle with fucking Paul Heyman. I mean, that that's not going to help anybody out under any circumstances because Paul Heyman's one of the best talkers in the company when it comes to selling a fight. Well, just wait till right around that go-home week when it's likely, you know... He got his ass kicked here when they weren't face-to-face and there was a 24-hour gap in between. Just wait until the week where they got to stand toe-to-toe on that mic. Oh, man. You want to talk about a verbal bitch slapping? Well, God, I mean, Heyman gave him a verbal bitch slap over the course of 24 hours from God knows how far away. Holy shit. Like, you don't realize how bad gender is until he's in a program with Paul Heyman. Somebody, please, for the love of God, get Jinder Mahal a glass of water. Please. He has needed one for, like, three months. The guy just cannot wet his whistle, so he talks like this the whole time. Good God. It's just God-awful. This this was a bad promo. It, it, I almost... Man, I don't, I don't know if I should just always feel feel bad for the guy, because it, but I know we're going to sit back and laugh my ass off. I'm, I'm just waiting for when they come face to face, and he and it's going to be like the verbal, the verbal version of Suplex City when Heyman just lights him up. Oh, I'm looking forward to that now. I'm looking forward to that now. Congratulations, Rick. You've invested me more in this program. <laughs> we also got. One of the Singh brothers, I don't even know which one, versus AJ Styles. Match went that is, all of about dude, a minute. That is, that is racist. Hey, I know that it's one of the Singh brothers. <laughs> what What are their two names? Uh, can I stall for a minute? Yeah, I, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I hate Google. <laughs> I win, motherfucker. I win. <laughs> So one of the things uh, gets beat up by AJ this week. I expect the same result next week. And then the week after that, I expect it to him to do it to both of them. Isn't that kind of where you see this thing going? Oh, yeah. We mentioned that from the get-go that you know this was going to be how this plays out so they can just kill time. And then AJ go. Styles is going to lose to Jinder Mahal on fucking SmackDown. That's what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to get... He could do that, but I don't think it'll, you know, it won't be like a clean loss. It won't write him off in a program with, with Jinder. Because I, I think AJ is going to be that guy that's going to carry uh, Jinder to the Clash of Champions. And then he takes his loss because the more and more things are beginning to add up. And as crazy as we thought it was, Mahal might be holding this title till WrestleMania. 
I just, I know there's 30 million reasons why. 30 million reasons. Now, um, can you tell me what happened in this match? Because I don't remember a damn thing about it. Well, AJ beat him in like a minute. Okay. That's I mean, why. I mean, I, it, dude came at him. AJ outsmarted him, threw him in the calf crusher, bitch tapped out. I mean, that, that was basically it. I love Ginger storming in and demanding that the other Singh brother gets a match against him next week, though. I thought that was a good promo. I did enjoy that. But for the love of God, can we please, please stop filming Daniel Bryan on his cell phone? <laughs> you have got that in my head now where every time they go to the back and there's just so you're just randomly standing. You there. notice it now, don't you? Yeah, doing something. It's, I always think to myself, like... Why the fuck are we taking this shot? Like, what in the fuck is the director thinking that, let's go to a shot of Daniel Bryan on his cell phone. Oh, look at that. Jinder Mahal just happened to walk in. Boy, I'm glad I, I took that shot. I, I just think to myself in, in my head, like, it's the Yargo. What the fuck moment of the show? <laughs> God damn it. And they do it on every fucking show. Like, at least mix it up a little bit, like... You know, oh, Brian's coming out of the bathroom and so-and-so just grabbed him. Oh, Brian's getting out of his car and so-and-so just grabbed him. Oh, Brian's in catering and so-and-so just grabbed him. Nope, it's always Brian on the phone. Yeah. Note to self, if you call Daniel Bryan, expect to be interrupted by somebody. God, I bet you Bree fucking hates that. Oh, that's good. So let's talk about the women's division. Speaking of things that Bree's got to (laughs) hate. My segues are great today. Oh, what did you make of this train wreck? Once again, let's get all the women in one room to be dressed down by the authority figure. And let's put everybody in one match. I know how much you love these stories. We know this this women's division, especially this week on the show, it, it really got me really got me thinking about something. You think if you think if I were to, to marry Charlotte do you think it would, it would like weird her out if I took her last name? <laughs> I mean, you think that would would she be okay with that? I I I. So you would be Ric Flair? Yeah, like if we, you know, you know, when we got to consummate it and we're in bed and she has to scream out, "Oh, Ric Flair!" Maybe she just woo. Oh, she'll be wooing, all right. But anyway, yeah, that's that's pretty much where my mind went during this during this damn thing. Well, I can't say I blame you because it's far more interesting than anything that happened here. Except we got just a little bit of a hint of heel Shar Shar. Yes, I know. I'm better than everybody else on the roster. I guess I'll be the team captain. Thank you, Brian. Got a little tease there. Yeah, but you know. I don't know what you call that heel, man. She's not lying. I miss that Charlotte. I miss that Charlotte. That's when she's at her best, and they need to start transitioning back into that. But unfortunately, the biggest heel in the women's division right now is Becky Lynch, who was the moral compass of SmackDown here a week ago. But now she's a gangster bitch thug who likes to jump her friends backstage. And this whole thing, we go right back. Team captain. Again, you know, what the hell does a team captain do here? Is this just some lazy creative? 
kind of just stir up some drama that it's not there. Yeah, what is the point of the team captain if you already know who all is on the team? Like it used to be the captain would pick the team. Yeah, and they would then and you would have kind of lined that up. You'd be like, Oh yeah, I, I do want to be on your team, Rick Rude. Let's go take out the warrior team. He's got a guy on his team that I don't like. I know me and you don't get along, but we both hate this fucking guy, so let's go get him. But if you know this is the team, why don't you all go have a match and beat up each other so you're essentially beating up your teammates to find out which one of you is going to be the imaginary leader. Yeah, the one that everyone else is just going to bitch about and hate. Yeah, what's the fucking point of that? It's just lazy. The only thing I did pop during like their little interview segment when Lana points out, but there are six of us. <laughs> and Brian's like, oh, yeah, not you're you. not on the team, Lana. That, I popped a little bit for that. That was kind of good. It's, it's one of those little smart-ass you know, smart quirky lines that, that gets Brian over so well. Do you think maybe somebody gets taken out and Lana replaces her? Like Nancy Kerrigan style? Nah. Uh, I, you know what? I even hope not. She doesn't need to be in the ring for a, a match like this. Give her a little spot outside in a manager, I was just looking at the position. women's roster for SmackDown, and there's not even anybody to logically replace her with. Could you imagine getting Lana and Alicia Fox in the ring together? That'll put some asses in seats. Yeah. It, you know, except for what? That, that's their entire division, right? Except for, yeah. for Natty? Yeah. Yep, that's the whole fucking division. And I guess that basically locks it down that Natty's not dropping this title. Yeah, pretty much. And I didn't take anything from the match. I, I didn't. It didn't do anything for no, me. No, I, I didn't. It did nothing for me. I fast forwarded through the match. I didn't care when they announced it. You're all on the I, team. I don't care who the fucking captain is. When they announced it, I imagine it's the same as every other time they run the entire division out there for a match, and that's exactly what it was. By the way, much love to Alicia Fox for uh, posting that. I'm the captain now on Twitter for me. Requested that the other day. She obliged. There we go, dude. Getting some love. I got nothing else on the women's division, do you? No. Not not, no. The only other thing on this show. Any other thoughts on this? The only other thing on this show was the continuation of Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. We now know that we're going to get a two out of three falls match. Did I miss a match between these two somewhere? They've only wrestled each other twice, right? Correct. Okay. Dolph said in his promo that he beat him twice. But Rude won the first time. Ziggler won the second time. I think he was like, did I miss a match somewhere? I think he was alluding to like, I had you beat twice. Like he's counting that first one because Rude had to use the tights. Gotcha. Okay. That makes that's, a little uh, bit I of sense. I think that's what he was kind of just like alluding to, you know, to that point. Like, hey, I, I got your number, dude. So we're going to get Ziggler versus Rude, two out of three falls. But I have no idea when this match is happening. I don't know if it's next week on SmackDown. Next, I don't know if week. it's... Okay. They're, they advertise it as next week. Are you excited my, at all about this match? My question is, is it going to put this ugly baby to bed? Good God, I hope so. I mean, they've got to fight side by side for Team Blue. And I thought that came off a little cheesy to me is that they, you know, they went to the, such great lengths to explain to us 
if just because you were standing side by side wearing blue with me in that mob the other day doesn't mean we're friends or if you think we're friends you're crazy like come on you just got to come out and plainly just spell that out so much for everybody i am not excited at all for this two out of three falls match um especially knowing that it's going to be on smackdown because it probably won't get nearly the time it deserves either that or they'll give it way too much time and it'll be a quarter of the show so what, where, where would you place it at on the show, and how much time would you give it? Oh, boy. I would probably do it at the top of the second hour. As far as how long I'd give it, boy. Being a TV match, See, I'm going to like- say that they give it three segments, being a TV match. And what kills me here with it is actually they're putting it on television. Man, this could be a great special attraction for a major event. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because these guys are both incredibly talented performers. And it's just been the creative side that has fallen so flat here with this program. But, you know, if it just pop, it keeps popping ahead. Could you imagine, like, if Starcade was a network-exclusive special event and you had this as one falls. fuck yeah with no interruptions you know because what's going to kill this is these damn commercials yep absolutely the first the first break you're going to get is going to be the picture in picture mm-hmm. and then you're going to get a fall and then you're going to get a break and then you're going to get the second fall and bobby Roode wins two to nothing that that's my prediction I know they won't go this route, but do you think it it would improve the quality of this match if they worked in those commercials between the falls? Oh, I absolutely think it would improve the quality of the match. I don't expect them to do that, though. It, it just be, That would be something just so outside of the box for them. That, yeah, that's it, way it, too fucking logical for them, man. And it would really help sell this thing. Absolutely you know, it would. Yep. But yeah, I mean, going in, knowing that this is going to be on television, and that your main, and if they if they told me this was the main event, then I'd get a little more interested in it. But I know it's not because you also have Nakamura and Kevin Owens on this card next you week. You don't want this as the main event because you don't want to know when it's going to end. When when, Ooh, when the main I event like when the main event match is on, you're half watching the clock and half watching the match because you know when it gets to eight fifty eight. This match is going to be over in the next two minutes. If you do it at the top of the hour and you have an hour, people are going to go, holy shit, they're really going to give this thing an hour. And then if it only goes 20 minutes, you can fill in the rest of the show afterwards. And people okay. are caught by surprise when the finish comes. I, I, I dig your logic, man. I mean, you, you, you're 100% correct here, my friend. That's the problem with SmackDown. Because they don't have the overrun like Raw. Raw, there's still a little bit of up in the air because you're not exactly sure when it's going to go off of the air. But with SmackDown, it's always, boom, top of the hour. You are 100% correct, sir. So currently... And you're exactly right where it's going to fall in this show because you're going to get a big promo to open. You'll have some filler and then you'll take this into your hour one, hour two transition. So currently, this is how Survivor Series is shaking up. Correct me if I oh, got any are, of this wrong. 
Uh, are we doing a little hit or miss here right now? See how we stand and how things change? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, all but one of these is a miss for me. And I think it's pretty obvious which one's the hit. Jinder versus Brock Lesnar. Thus far, do you consider the creative behind it a hit or a miss? Uh, right now, I am I'm still interested in this match. I'm hanging on to the hit side. And it, I want to see where this progresses to. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited to see when, when Jinder has to go face-to-face -face with these two. Not only just what's going to happen when when Heyman gets to unleash on him on the microphone face-to-face, -face, but I, I want to see what these two look like going nose-to-nose. -nose. I want that pose off with those two in the middle of that ring. I think Jinder's going to dwarf Brock. So I'm going to take, take back my statement just a little bit. I'm, I'm going to hedge here just a little bit. I'm going to give the creative for this a hit because I think the creative has actually been done well for this match, thanks to Paul Heyman. Unfortunately, the cast inside of this match, I think, is incredibly inappropriate. Now, if this was Shinsuke Nakamura versus Brock Lesnar and we had the same creative, it would be a huge hit. I just don't think gender's right for the spot. Corbin think, versus yeah, Miz. We'll go back to that real quick. And I think you're right there. It's it's more about everything surrounding it than the actual players in the game. You know, how are they going to book this? How long is Dinner really going to hold that title? Was was he bullshitting us when he's saying that he wants seen at WrestleMania? How long is this going to go? That's the intriguing part here, not really what's going on with the players itself. Corbin versus Miz. Obviously, there's no creative here. I'm going with a miss. I'm going... I, I, I want to see what Miz is going to do here. This is going to be a true test of how good he is. Can he elevate you know, this program, this match, to get anyone to care? You know, personally, I, I, I'm overly invested. I love Miz. I've, I've always been behind Miz. And as I You're said before, man, I, I, I have completely checked out on Corbin right now. Usos versus The Shield. I think this is the obvious hit on the card. Going to be a, a great a great match, bell to bell. Some of the top performers, of, you know, especially if Ambrose brings his A game. It's going to be probably the, the match that is match of the night. On paper, I mean, anyway, that's how it looks. On, yeah, on paper. Uh, I made a comment in the... Uh, over in the Facebook WrestleZone discussion group last night, while, while this match does look very promising and I am excited to see it, oh, how I wish, somehow, and maybe this is where it comes into play that the Usos dropped those titles. I would oh so love for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to have those titles right now. Personally, I would love to see the Fashion Police versus The Shield. I think that would be a fantastic program. What, like backstage? No, I mean in the ring, man. Johnny take Curtis them, and Tyler Breeze. Take them out shopping for new tactical gear? For the love of God, yes. They look hideous. <laughs> Natalia versus Alexa. Two heels going up against each other. You want both of them to lose. Maybe this is where Carmella, the other heel, cashes in on one of them. But what if they're, you know, because... No one's ever actually seen the Money in the Bank contract. We just all assume things. 
You know, almost when, when Seth Rollins cashed in while a match was going on, people kind of freaked out, like, you can't do that. Well, they've never done that before. Well, you know, it is wrestling. They changed. So what if what if somehow Car- Carmella came in to cash in in this match and took the Raw Women's Championship? Don't you kind of hope that when she cashes it in that the referee pulls out James Ellsworth's gross underwear instead of a contract? Uh, well, no. Fandango already has those. They're in his possession. Oh yeah, I guess those would be considered evidence. Those, those are point. in the uh, those are in the evidence lockup. Yep. Team Blue at this point I have scheduled as Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Team Red, which we have no idea. Kind of hard to judge on that one. Yeah, they could go in, a, in some different directions there. I mean, if you had to guess, just some names coming off the top of your head, who do you think is going to maybe fill out? First of all, fill out that the blue brand there. New Day. All three of them. You think that's just kind of, you know, we kind of got that with them leading that charge the other day that they're going to yep. step up into that position? Yep. That's what I expect. I expect the other three will be New Day. Because it was kind of hard to read if Shane was kind of, you know, alluding to that him and him and Kurt are going to be on these teams or what direction they were going to go in with that. Oh, God, I hope not. God, I hadn't even considered that. I would agree with you. Let it be about the talent. But come on, let's be honest. We, you know that they love, you know, Vince C. Shane is a big draw. So, and Kurt, you know, got that big response from, from the fans that were really interested in what he was doing there. Even if they're not in, actually on the teams and actually in the match, I expect them to play some kind of, some big role in this, in this thing. It would only make complete sense that you put the New Day here because the heels have all the championships. This is an entire babyface team for the blue brand. So I guess for the red brand, I would pencil in all heels. So well, you know, what's, well, right, so what's funny about that is, so you're going to go with all, all good guys on your blue brand who's already made that first strike and established themselves as pretty much the heels in this brand war. But then you're going to flip it on the other side? I, th- I think we're going to get a blend on the Raw brand. Well, doesn't that make complete sense inside of WWE logic? And by, by, by which I mean it makes no fucking sense. Let's see. So for the red brand, I'm going to put Sheamus and Cesaro and the club. When I say the club, I mean... All three of them. Man, I don't know. I think they're going to load it up with big names. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't care <laughs> at this point. You know, I mean, I at least until they, we start getting a couple of names, the the best right. creative I can come up with is putting Devitt back with the club. Because at this point, I just want evil fucking Finn Balor to come and kill Kane. Oh, I think, you know, a lot of what's going to happen with with this Raw team, it's going to be the make or break the health of Roman Reigns and, to a lesser extent, to, to Bray Wyatt. <laughs> I heard a theory yesterday that they should have done a storyline out of this. And it should have been that Shane McMahon went backstage at Raw and poisoned Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns. <laughs> that was somebody's genius fucking idea on one of the message boards. 
thought that was great. So for the blue I women, I, I, I don't know. That's just like someone should just get like bitch slapped. Yeah, right. It's like, and this is why you don't have any credibility when you talk. Um, so let's go with the blue women. We have Tamina, Carmella, your precious Shar Shar, Naomi, and Captain Heel Becky Lynch versus the red women, Alicia Fox. That's what we know at this point. I assume Bailey, Sasha, Emma, Nia Jax. Oh, no, you got to get Asuka in there. I was going to say, I was just going to say when he left her off there, I was like, man, they got a, a shiny new toy. You think that they're not going to roll that out there? Yeah, well, you know, it is WWE, but no, Asuka's got to be on there, and I expect her to kill everybody. The, be- the thing I'm most looking forward to in this build is going to be Alicia Fox trying to recruit Asuka. Considering Asuka speaks very, very little English, and Alicia Fox is batshit crazy. You know, that could be pretty entertaining. You just get kind of, because a, a lot of the great storytelling with Asuka is just in, with, you know, without speaking. It's all in body person. language. Yeah, her body language. And I've just kind of pictured it. I think it's going to, that could be some, for some classic moments with just that body language and how she's responding to, you know, like, what, what, what you cra- what's going on here, you crazy bitch? Like, what? <laughs> Oh yeah, without, without, without oh, saying yeah. a word, you know. <laughs> and then even maybe even you know she gives like some short like responses, to, and then Foxy's not getting anything out of it. Like what? <laughs> what the fuck did she just say? Yeah, that that could that could be <laughs> some entertaining moments right there. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Alicia Fox recruiting Oscar. I really hope they do something good with that. I, I think that I hope they have some good segments with them there. And I actually think that would actually help Foxy because they got to get her away from just these like playing with her hair, Valley Girl rants that they've been doing with her in the back. Yes, and stop with the screaming. Yeah. The second she starts screaming at Oscar, I want Oscar to just fucking roundhouse kick her head off. And I'm going to go with that final member for that team. I agree with you, Oscar, Bailey, Sasha. Man, let's get a pop out of the crowd. I don't know how much shelf life she has left, but I know that initial pop's going to be there. What about bringing Paige back? Oh. Guess that tells you how I feel about Paige. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not big on her. Like I said, I don't think there's a lot of shelf life left in her, but there, but there is that short run with her. I think you could get something out of her for a little bit, maybe through, I wouldn't give her anything high profile through Mania season, but you know, people take to her and it is there. It's, you know, it's kind of that thing where I, I don't feel anything for Finn Balor, but I know it's there. You know, people people just take to him. Do you know who Baby Metal is? Who? Baby Metal. They're a uh, band from Japan. Uh, I am not familiar. I'm sorry. I'm watching the Loudwire Music Awards in the background. Chris Jericho is the host. And Baby Metal just won an award. And there's three Japanese girls in this band. I'll put in one of their songs here after we talk about this. But anyway, the thing that I thought was interesting is they came out and were throwing up the two sweet. I just pulled them up here. And the first photo, actually, is them. Actually, with the members of Metallica. And they're throwing up the two sweet. 
Cease and desist. Cease and yeah, desist. Like, are these girls like 10 years old? Dude, I'm going to put in a baby metal song here. And when you listen back to this, your fucking head is going to explode. This is like the most insane heavy metal that you've ever heard in your life with those three Japanese girls singing over the top of it. All right, man. I'll take your word. I will check it out. I'm, I'm, I am learning about them right now here. I think I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Because <clears throat> we actually spent a lot more time on SmackDown than I really thought that we would. And you thought, you know, you thought we're going to cruise through it. I told you there was, I told you there was some stuff going on there. It was just kind of a placeholder, but you know, it, but what it did is it, it got you thinking about where they're going to go forward from here. So on, on that, I will give them credit there. Wasn't all that enjoyable in real time, but sitting back and kind of thinking about where things are going to progress towards. They, they gave us enough of that information. So if you enjoy insane heavy metal, this is Baby Metal with their song, Gimme Chocolate. We'll be right back with some talk about NXT.
All right. That was Baby Metal off the album Baby Metal with Gimme Chocolate. Rick, what do you think? I'm going to tell you what, man. I'm on board. I am a Baby Metal fanatic now. And when I was really taken away from it, I, I was going to just hit play on it, listen to it, and go through some of my prep here for the, the second half of the show. But the visuals were incredible with that. Man, look they, they look really, up the video on it. YouTube. They bring it. And what I really thought was, my first thing was, WWE needs to tap into this, man. Either rip it off for a gimmick, or better even yet, get these girls to WrestleMania for Asuka's entrance. They actually, um, was it TakeOver Dallas, maybe? Um, Baby Metal was one of the official theme songs for NXT TakeOver. Well, there we go. We already got a tie. It was a different song. It was a song called Karate, but I'm pretty sure it's when um, Asuka won uh, the title from Bailey. Oh, there we go. Actually, uh, after after I was listening to what you had going on there, I I played karate, which would be very fitting. I, I the visuals there were, were very good, yeah. very well done. Man, you want to talk about a pop to get get a crowd going, and that's how you do it. I would love to see them do more uh, live performances like they did with Alistair Black at the last takeover, where you actually have the band performing the entrance music, because they did it so uh, well at takeover. It was the first time I've ever seen it go well, but they did it really well. All right, man. You got me on board. WWE needs to get on board. They need to make this happen. Man, what, what an incredible moment that would be. So let's talk a little bit about NXT and the build to NXT War Games. Uh, I don't know how in the world NXT does this. We did like a two-hour show about Monday Night Raw. We've done like an hour on SmackDown. That's five hours worth of content. And I think there's more to talk about in the one hour of NXT than there was on the entire main roster. I'll tell you what, you know, I usually binge watch my NXT leading right up to to a takeover event. I think I'm gonna change that philosophy. Uh, this I was I was so turned on by by this episode here. It got me going. I'm going to start, I'm going to make sure that I'm on this week by week. I mean, this was a great episode. There's like five ongoing storylines just inside of this one episode. And that's probably more than what's going on on the main roster right now, because right now the entire main roster is red versus blue. So lame. Well, and it just in the show, you know, they, they cut, they stay focused. They're on point. You know, it's not a, a damn side advertisement going on every 30, 45 seconds. And there were a couple of things on this show that I normally absolutely hate that I thought were really, really good. Let's start off with uh, Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. Uh, They're now a tag team. This was their first match together as a tag team, if you haven't been keeping up on NXT. These two guys are very much uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. They had a couple of one-on-one singles matches, each guy winning one match, built respect for each other. This was their debut as a tag team. They lose in their debut to Moss and Sabatelli, which I still don't understand why these two guys are on TV. But what did you think of the pairing of Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch? Which I, I, I can understand him taking, taking the big L here. Because it's going to say, all right, now are you going to stick together? Well, I think what they're doing. I think what they're doing is 
right now you have two singles competitors who are trying it as a tag team. They have to figure out how to work as a tag team now. That's what I'm saying. You know, can they work through this controversy? Are they going to be able to to hold it out, or are they going to keep that bond that they've decided to come together with? And I, I think that's a great story to tell. If you go back a couple of months and you actually watch the two singles matches that these two guys had, they are fantastic matches. Earned each other's respect. I see them. They're basically the new version of DIY to me. Neither one of them are standout performers that are good looking guys. So they're going to go together as a team and try to make something of themselves very much like Ciampa and Gargano did. I think there's definitely a market for this down in NXT. I don't think it translates to the main roster whatsoever. I don't think either one of these guys are going to be stars, but I think no, they could have a hell of a run in NXT as a tag team. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's, it's funny that, it's, that you said that, that that's who it reminds you of because this is the first time I've seen these guys. That was the first thing that came to my mind. I think they've got a great, unique look, and they gave me that, that same vibe is DIY. It's going to be interesting to watch. Keep your eye on Oni Lorcan and Danny Burge. Now you're talking about the other guys there. I am not a fan of Moss or Sabatelli. And the thing was, I was looking at Sabatelli, and I was like, there is just something about this guy that I just don't like. And well, he's, I, he's so too anyway. much a clone of young Randy Orton. That's what it is. I finally now, figured it out. Now, with these guys, you know, speaking of just the match overall, I enjoyed the match. I thought you know it was a good pace, hard-hitting, some good action. Now, when I look at Moss and Sabatelli, I'm thinking... You know, all I can all I can think of is, is like, good lord. You know, Vince is going to go from six to twelve o'clock in a blink of an eye when he gets his hands on these guys. I mean, they they have that superstar look that you associate with with Vince's wet dreams. Both of these guys have been in the system for quite a while. They've and been around for a while. Yeah, and they've been just about. I'm pretty sure this is their last chance to finally make something of themselves. Sabatelli, Sabatelli. In, in particular. I mean, the guy's chiseled like a freaking golden god, but he reminds me of Randy Orton, a young Randy Orton. See, who jumped off the page to me, it came to mind. Sabatelli reminded me of Mr. Pectacular, Jesse Goddard's from from Impact Wrestling. Unfortunately, he's much more Jesse Goddard's than Randy Orton. That's what I got from him. That was the vibe I was picking up on. Yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. But hey, man, I thought it was a fun match. I enjoyed it. it was, got me, got me going. Yep. I to me, it was very much the story here was much more about Lorcan and Birch. But I don't know. Moss and Sabatelli have been on TV a little while here, and they've gotten a couple of big wins under their belt. It's going to be kind of interesting to see what they do with them too. It seems like they're really starting to revamp the tag division down there, getting ready for the uh, Dusty Tag Team Classic. Then we had the women's battle royal. And this was to figure out who was going to be the fourth woman going in to take over to challenge for the NXT Women's Championship against Peyton Royce, Ember Moon, and Kari Sane. Man, I'll tell you what, for, for an exciting show, this was, at, this was actually the highlight for me. You know, and this that's is- what I wanted to bring. I typically hate Battle Royals. I hate the idea of a women's Royal Rumble, but this was freaking fantastic. I've I, I got some things in here. I want to start off, you know, I want to say 
Hey, hey, to Vanessa Bourne. Man, I, she's been with the company for a year, and somehow I missed it. But, oh, man, am I glad I found her now. Damn. <laughs> Your precious Shar Shar is getting jealous, right? No, no, no. She's still got a can on my Shar Shar, but come on, man. I'm, I'm a red-blooded, heterosexual, freaking American male. Got to be looking around, man. But, hey, man, wow. She, she caught my eye there. But, you know, going into this match, it, you know, I took away... Lots two of May big, Young Classic women in this match. Well, two big points that I took away from this thing. You know, this is... I, I love Battle Royals. It's one of my favorite gimmick matches. Because I'm a, you know old school, old school Battle Royal fan. You know, when I was a kid, there was nothing that's cooler than we're going to get all these big, massive you know, meatheads in here and they're, gonna, they're just going to go at it. They're going to be tossing each other left and right. But I will give you there, it, it is difficult to, to pull off an entertaining and effective battle royal, especially you know after all these years of telling the same story over and over. And especially with a bunch of women that have only been on TV a very, very limited amount. So you don't have anything in, invested in any of these characters. Well, and, you know, with that, this is probably some of the most fun that I, that I can remember have watching a battle royal. You know, and I want to you know, give hats, you know, hats off to everyone that was involved there from, from the layout. They actually had some great stories that's going on in this thing. You know, just from the layout, that, from that perspective, and the talents themselves, man, they just really, they really brought it. Well, I mean, the first story that stands out has got to be Nikki Cross and Tanara Conti. I mean, and that couldn't have been done any better. Cross is the last one to enter. She comes out through a different entranceway because she's Nikki Cross and she's batshit crazy. That's what she does. And then she gets her gear off and she climbs in the ring. And before the bell even rings, she is after Tanera Conti and eliminates her in about 40 seconds. Now, even if you've not watched any NXT and you don't know any of the story going on here, you know, them two girls, they don't fucking like each other. Immediately established. You know Nikki Cross is fucking crazy, and you know she fucking hates Tanera Conti. And what's even, you know, you, you tell that story right off the get-go, and then they, you know, with, with Cross tape, they told three or four more stories throughout this thing. Well, Cross has made a lot of enemies in her time in NXT. She's jumped a lot of people. And she doesn't care. Hey, I, she embraces it. Bring it on, man. She yeah, wants. To I fight. tell you what, Nikki Cross is so dialed into that character right now. She does nothing by accident. Her body—it's very much like Alexa Bliss. We were complimenting Alexa on her body language and all that. Nikki Cross has got it down to a science, except at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Nikki Cross is terrifying. I'll tell you another, uh, another moment in this match. For, you know, for those people that like that big pop spot, I got a big kick out of uh, that hair spot with Bianca and Kay. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of the, uh, the uh, Kenny Omega Tomohiro Ishii spot from uh, the G1 in Long Beach when Ishii was hanging on to the top rope with his teeth. That had to hurt like a son of a bitch, doesn't it? I mean, she had that woman by the hair and was basically using it as a rope to lean off of the ring with. 
Yeah, so putting her uh, damn near all of her body weight there. I mean, not that she's not, you know, 110 pounds soaking wet, but hell, she's right, she's just pulling away right at those roots there. And well, then I loved it, though, you know, then it turns around, and Bianca turns around and starts using her hair as a weapon. Yeah, she's... It was whipping, whipping the shit out of her. There is something to Bianca Belair, without question. That girl's got money written all over her. She's like the badass version of Sasha Banks. And she's only been in the industry for like a year. Wow. Yeah, it, it's Yeah, that was that was one of the spots that that really, you know, jumped out to me and I was, you know, I was really having a lot of fun too. The only thing is she's got to stop twirling it. Like I don't mind if she does it once in a while, but it's like every second of the match when she doesn't have something going on, she's sitting there twirling her fucking uh, hair. So it's kind of like her go-to card. Yeah. It just, it, it becomes over kind of like Finn popping the collar on that jacket, gotcha. you know, like, all right, all right, we get it. <laughs> yeah, we got it. I did like it when she uh, wrapped her hair all up. I thought that was pretty freaking cool. For me, the pop of the night was Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae, even being in this goddamn thing, as soon as she came out on that stage, full sail exploded. Oh, that's it's right here. It's the second item in my notes right after wanting, wanting to point out about Vanessa, Vanessa Bourne. Man, what a pop. Another major pop from the full sale audience for, for Candace. How is she not under full-time contract by now? Well, here's what I, you know, I get from her. You know, they could have the next major, I'm talking major baby on their hands down there. And, the, you know, the best part is, you know, she's just as marketable as Bailey. And the bonus is that she is so much better in the ring. Well, I, at the end of this match, you have the other contenders come out. Well, I, Peyton came out with Billy Kay, so she's already out there. But then you have Ember Moon come out. You have Kari Sane come out. Candace had the pop of the whole freaking show. I mean, it, it was just deafening when she came out there. I did yeah. find it interesting that they gave her her own entrance with her own entrance music, but she's not under contract. Whereas the first half a dozen, however many ladies came out, they just paraded them out there with one song playing. Yeah. They just had the generic entrance for everybody. You know, here's all right. Every 10 seconds. All right. You go with the generic music going. So they know they've got something there. I guess it's just yeah, a matter Candace of got her own entrance. Billy Kay got her own entrance. Nikki cross got her own entrance. Right. And boy, did Bel Air get some freaking heat when she tossed Candace out. I would love to see that match at TakeOver. Give me Candace LeRae versus Bianca Belair, first match on the show. It'll blow the roof off that fucking place. Oh, I think it'd be a great, what a great way to open that thing. Open that show with Candace coming out. Oh, it would blow the roof off. Blow the about, roof off. You talk about setting a tone for an evening. You know, overall, with, the, with this Battle Royal, you know, I've, I've been very outspoken about a women's Royal Rumble match. And, and while I'm still against the idea, unless it has a sound reason behind it. I'm not nearly as opposed to it now as I was yesterday. Well, you know, one of the other arguments that we've that we each have thrown out there. Well, it was pretty much completely debunked here. And that's involving the over the top rule. Yep. Yep. I'll come right out and say it. These these ladies that were working 
this NXT Battle Royal, man, they, they proved my ass completely wrong. They all worked their ass off. It was a fantastic match. Fantastic match. Yeah, so I, you know, I'll, I'll come out and say, you know, when I'm wrong, I'm wrong here. So now, going forward. No, we forward, both got that one wrong, buddy. Yeah, going forward, when the subject of a women's Royal Rumble match starts coming up, you know, I'm not going to just start immediately bashing the idea, but instead now I'm just going to start presenting ways where it makes sense. Now, if you're going to do something like that, yep, you got me intrigued. Now, now really hook me. Give me the hook and reel me in. Give me a reason instead of just, well, the guys have one. Hey, let's put something behind it. Did you want, do, you, do you want to talk about that four-way at all, or who you see going Oh, yeah. Over? Yeah, let's talk about the four-way. So we've got Kari Sane, Nikki Cross, the winner of the Battle Royal, Ember Moon, Peyton Royce coming up at TakeOver Houston, TakeOver War Games, whatever the hell you want to call it. I cannot call a winner in this match. Can you? I can see it going in a number of directions here. But, you know, prior to recording here today, over at the uh, Facebook WrestleZone discussion group, we had, a, we had a little conversation going on about... Actually, it was you who posted this. It was hype for today's, for today's episode. Yep. And in the main graphic, you, you had this match laid out here. And in the conversation, you know, I'm going to have to tend to agree with, with one of our friends here, who's, who, by the way, is a, a major supporter of the show, and I want to thank him for that, and uh, Luis Suarez. You know, he, he kind of, he would like to see and alluded to reasons why that Roy should go over. And I have to agree with him here. I completely understand the logic that you guys laid out. She is the exact opposite of Asuka. Well, it's not that, you know, this division needs that type of shakeup because not even just Asuka, but the previous five title holders, they've essentially been kind of that hard nose fighting competitor. So now you want to go to the uncredible champion with the great character work who somehow manages to keep holding on to this title. Yeah. Just a little mix up there. And I, and I think, yeah, I'm not opposed. Work, I'm her character not work opposed. has been incredible. You know, and she's got her sidekick there partner in crime. Well, yeah. I mean, eventually Billy Kay has to come for the title then and you split up iconic. And that, that to me is the problem in this theory. Why do you have to do that? Why, why, does, why do you have to go that old school philosophy that this must be the route we must take? Well, number one, I, thought, I feel like both of these girls should be called up by now. I feel like both Peyton Royce and Billy Kay should be on SmackDown. I would get a nice little run out of these two through the WrestleMania season because everything is just, and you know how things are going to get when that starts. It's already congested enough. They already botch anything they're doing usually with the women and even if they do have some high high power programs these they're not going to be a part of that let them shine here through that first quarter of 18 down in nxt keep them together don't go that that traditional old school route there where they have to eventually turn on each other keep them together and then bring them up together after they've lost that title together i'm gonna go out on a limb here Old prediction time. I think Peyton Royce is going to be a bigger star on the main roster than Asuka. I'll completely agree with you there because of the character work. Just because of the character work. It's going to be Alexa Bliss 2.0. Nobody's going to see it coming. She's going to get to the main roster and just light that son bitch on fire. Well, you've got the combination of the success 
that you've already found in that blueprint with Bliss, and you've got a modern era of Lakehole in the waiting. Ember Moon, I think, is the most qualified to become NXT Women's Champion, but I think that she's much better chasing than holding. I have no desire to see Ember Moon holding the championship at this point. When it comes to those other three competitors in this match, not so much saying because she wasn't there, they all remind me so much of what you would have gotten with Asuka, and none of them, and none of, and none of them actually measure up to what Asuka is. So it's like I'm getting a poor man's version. And that's the problem with Sane. You, you want to try to separate Kari Sane from Asuka with both of them being Japanese, neither right. one of them speaking English very well. I think you, you, you have to separate those two characters. You don't want this to feel like a continuation of Asuka's reign. Yep, and, and if you do that, there's a good chance you know that people just crap all over it. I'm going to put my money on Nikki Cross. I think that's kind of where the story's going here with this. And as you said, man, she's pissed off so many people. It just turns the attention that everyone is seriously gunning after her. And I like the I idea of Sanity going after all the titles. They already have the tag titles. I like the idea of Nikki Cross taking the women's title. I like the idea of Adam Cole being the NXT champion coming out of TakeOver, which we'll talk about here in a second. I was going to say, man, you kind of just gave it. Well, no, we'll talk about that here in a second. It's okay. And I I'm like Eric, and I like Eric Young chasing Adam Cole. So, oh, so it would be Sanity going after all the gold. I like that story. If you if you're going to keep Sanity in NXT, I feel like you got to do something like that with them. I could get down with that story, but. As we're going forward, I know we're going to revisit this week to week. I'm going to keep my money on Royce and keep keep back on that train, baby. Well, speaking of sanity, they're going to face the Authors of Pain next week for the tag team t- titles. There's a little bit of a twist to this, though. It's going to be under Freebird rules. So Kelly and Dane very easily could be involved in this match, which I would recommend against the Authors of Pain. Yeah, I think you want to get him in there, man. Get the big boy in there with those two big boys. But then who's who's your other choice? Do you go with EY? I think I'd go with EY. I, I, I'm going to agree with you here, and I'm, what I'm trying to do is kind of put myself in the master, in the mind of the, of the general, the mastermind there. And Eric Young, he's, it was like, he's the mastermind. He's so brilliant. Yeah, he's so brilliant in everything, the chess master. He knows exactly what he's doing here. And I think that while well, I love seeing him in the ring there, what he can bring and give the edge to his team from the outside is such greater than when he's actually a participant in the match. But here's the thing. William Regal announced it's Freebird rules. Two members of Sanity will be in the match, but the third member of Sanity is barred from ringside. See, again, there, I, I, I just think that he'll find some kind of way around that there. I love that William Regal has the balls to be like, it's going to be two of you. I don't care which two of you, but the other one of you ain't going to be here. I love William Regal as a GM. I, you know, I really took note of that, too. I, I loved how they presented him there. 
the way he and laid it, things out at the beginning of the and show. It you know, it's just, you know, this is how it is, guys. This is my show. This is how we're going to do it. There's not all that just like fluff built in there and grab dicking and all this stuff. It's just, hey, let's just get down to business, man. We got 60 minutes to do this. He seems like a general manager. He's not a character on the show. He's the general manager. And it's it's almost as much as a throwback as you can get to when you had Tunney and Gorilla filling that position. I think of all the authority figures, William Regal is my favorite. At least he's got a backbone. Alistair Black and the Velveteen Dream. I think this is one of the more interesting feuds ongoing currently on NXT. The feud over Say My Name, bitch. That's what this feud is all about. Velveteen Dream just wants Alistair Black to acknowledge that he exists. Wait, I, what I really love here is you got two super over talents just set to rage war against one another. And the, the audience, that NXT audience, man, they're digging this thing. I'm going to eat crow here again because I could not stand Patrick Clark. I hated him all the way through Tough Enough. When he signed with the WWE, I was like, why in the fuck are you signing this guy? When I saw him at TakeOver Chicago, I was like, this gimmick is going to fail miserably. This shit is over like a hell. I can't believe how over this is. People are loving it. It, it almost, you know, we we're talking about openers for that show. I mean, this would be a great opener on that thing to get that crowd rocking. Alistair Black's entrance is something to behold. It is something to behold. I loved the spin on this thing. So you get Black's full entrance. And then just as he's turning to walk to the stairs, Velveteen Dream comes up out of fucking nowhere. Why haven't we done this before? Dude wearing dark clothing. Hiding in the shadows, underneath all the fucking smoke. You could have done this a billion times with The Undertaker. You could do this with Finn Balor. You could do this any number of times. This was freaking awesome. Because you have to play the music. And you have to get the, the brand imaging out. You can't really... You're gonna, you got to throw it out. You, whatever you would logically do in a heated fight and battle like that. No, that... You, you play music when you come out. Don't you know that? That was fucking awesome. Didn't see it coming at all. I did notice that the camera seemed a little bit weird, like they were in a little bit closer on black than they normally are. But I just figured, oh, they're trying something new. They do that from time to time. It's pretty amazing what the, the element of surprise will do for a wrestling program, isn't it? And he just comes up out of nowhere, just like, ha, 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 motherfucker, you don't know why I'm here. Oh, it was awesome. That was one of the better I'm going to jump you during your entrances that I've seen. That was really well done. Dream ties Black up in the ropes. Smacks that motherfucker across the face as hard as he possibly can, which I'm not sure was a good idea. I was going to say, it didn't, didn't look like it's that too well with him because he came firing back. So Black hits him with a nice stiff kick right square in the freaking mouth. Gets himself loose. Winds up the black mass and Dream ducks it. First person to duck the black mass. 
Well, he ducked it and got the hell out of Dodge, man. Oh, yeah. He hell, knew, yes. He knew, he You've knew seen him land Dodge, that kick he... on a few people, ain't you? Holy yeah. shit. Nope. I think this is going to be a fantastic match to take over. Well, yeah. It's, I mean, perfect, perfect compliment here on the undercard for what's shaping up to... You know, I'm sorry. It looks which, on paper right now. This is just blowing Survivor Series out of the water. Well, and the thing is, when I started hearing these matches announced, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Really? Why are you doing that? Velveteen Dream versus Aleister Black? What the fuck? Black's going to kill him. I'm interested now. They made me care. That's what happens when you tell a good fucking story. Roderick Strong and Andrade Cien Almas, the former La Sombra. This match was freaking awesome, too. I was going to say, you know, we keep, we keep mentioning solid main events or TV main events when we're talking about SmackDown Live and, and even sometimes Raw. But this was a freaking TV main event right here, man. God damn, these two guys threw down. Throwing Great match. Down. Both of these guys want to be challengers for Drew McIntyre's title. Roderick Strong just defeated by Drew McIntyre in a previous week's fantastic freaking main event. Andrade coming up at TakeOver is going to get his shot. I love that Vega is spinning this, that McIntyre is ducking Andrade. The way that she presents Andrade Cien Almas has turned Almas into a star. We'll take him to that next le- taking him to that next level. Well, I mean, when he came over, everybody was super excited. Because Lasombra was a super over talent down at CMLL. Right. They take his mask off, he comes to the States and fell flat as shit. Nobody cared about Andrade Cien Almas. Nobody got the character. He didn't get the psychology. He was trying to cut promos in English, and his English is terrible. And it just fell flat to the point where people were like, maybe he just needs to go back to fucking Mexico because this ain't working. Well, then you find that one element that he really needs. You bring in a mouthpiece in Vega, and boy, is she hot-blooded, man. She's just got that voice and attitude to her. Like, you can just tell that girl grew up in the Bronx, and she's going to whip your ass. So I'll tell you what, though, you know, great match, a hell of a main event, as we said. And I think it shocked the hell out of that live crowd, though, when almost went over. Well, and I think it shocked the hell out of the live crowd, too, when Vega gave Strong that Hurricane Rana off the freaking apron into the stairs. Oh, I mean, yeah, number one, spot. you're seeing sweet you're seeing spot. a manager get freaking physical, which we never see anymore. Number two, it's a chick giving a guy a hurricane rana off of the apron to the floor into the stairs. That was freaking badass too. And that was the game changer. That was completely the game changer. She has made almost seem credible. And I didn't think that they were going to be able to resurrect Andrade Cien Almas, but they have done a fantastic job. I am noting, mo- noticing more and more of the Los Ingobernables gimmick coming into play. Well, you go back, you go back to what you know, you know, incorporate that in and what you got going. 
Go what you know is going to work for you. Bring it all together, the total package, and see what you can do with it. Now, originally, we had heard that TakeOver Houston, TakeOver War Games, whatever, was not selling well. And I thought that, in part, that was because the main event announced was Andrade Cien Almas versus Drew McIntyre. I, I was going to ask you, is, you know, as much as you know, we just sang the praises of Almas there, and he has elevated his game, and I, and I think he, you know, he's earned to be in a spotlight like this, but is it really enough to entice the viewers? No. No, and I think it's reflected in the ticket sales. And then we see the announcement here a week ago or whatever that the night before takeover, Adam Cole is facing Drew McIntyre for the NXT championship in San Antonio with Shawn Michaels as the guest referee. And I know you have been, you've been following up on this. You're, you are hot on this topic, baby. And you've got some big ideas about how this might play out. It becomes something really special for the fans to, you know, for us to witness. I think this is going to be huge. I think Adam Cole wins the NXT title at that show. I think the image of Adam Cole holding the NXT championship in one arm with Shawn Michaels raising his other arm in victory, standing over Drew McIntyre, is the shit that feuds of a decade are made of. Because I think Adam Cole and Drew McIntyre both have that kind of potential inside of the company. So then you make it a triple threat. And you have Adam Cole versus Drew McIntyre versus Andrade Cien Almas at TakeOver Houston, TakeOver War Games. The only problem in this, as we already know, Undisputed Era is going to be taking on the Authors of Pain and their partner, as well as Sanity. So then we got to get a replacement for Adam Cole. Now, where, where are you ever going to find a replacement for Adam Cole there, Yargo? Well, he's already in the Performance Center, and his name is Donovan Dijak. If you go back to last week's NXT, I made the comment that Adam Cole was standing on the outside trying to formulate a plan because Undisputed Era has no answer for Killian Dane. They need some muscle. Where do we get some muscle? while our old friend Donovan Dijak just happened to sign with NXT. Throw him very, into the War Games intriguing. match. Very intriguing. Uh, for some of those out there that might not know much about much about him, or maybe some ties for where he would fit in, why don't you go ahead and enlighten everyone out there? Well, Donovan Dijak's about six foot eight, and he's built like a brick fucking shithouse. I mean, this dude is fucking massive. He's a Vince Dreamboat. Yes, he is absolutely a Vince Dreamboat. And the other thing is, he can work his ass off. Uh, we're talking the PWG circuit, Ring of Honor circuit. Dijak's been around, and he ran with Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, all kind of in that same circle. I think this is the perfect opportunity to debut Dijak. Undisputed Era gets the firepower they need against Sanity and Killian Dane. And you can tease, as they did at the end of this episode, maybe Roderick Strong is the third man. I called this shit when they signed Adam Cole that they were going to do this. 
And it's been fantastic. Unfortunately, I know how it ends. But it's been great. I'm loving this build. Some people feel like it's overdone on the whole like, hey, are you going to take the NWO shirt? Are you going to take the Nexus armband? Are you going to debut in a Bullet Club shirt? I like the whole Adam Cole taking off the armband, handing it to Roddy and Roddy contemplating. Well, you know, I've lost my last two big matches. I could join this group who's really strong right now. I love this build. Well, it's, it's around classic storytelling, and there's nothing wrong with, with revisiting basics and putting a different twist on them. It's a proven seller, and it's proving right here. This is good television for WWE. The only thing I do wish that they would do is I wish they would put Adam Cole in a regular match against somebody who can work and let him go out there and put on a four-star match. Not a five-star match. But go out there and put on a really good match so the NXT audience knows what Adam Cole is all about. Because thus far, we've only seen him in like two matches, and he hasn't really gotten to showcase himself at all. So he needs that moment to just establish, like familiarize himself. It's like they're just taking for granted that the NXT crowd is also the Ring of Honor crowd, and we already know who Adam Cole is. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think the Full Sail crowd knows who Adam Cole is but I'm not sure that the casual NXT viewer has any idea what this guy is capable of. And for the love of God, put a microphone in his hand. I mean, this guy's one of the best talkers in the fucking industry right now. And he's barely gotten to cut our promo. Lots of talking without a microphone though. Put a fucking microphone in his hand. Let him cut a goddamn promo. Let him run his mouth. This would be like bringing Kenny Omega in and turning him into fucking Sting, and you don't let him say anything for three months. <laughs> I mean, come the fuck on. <laughs> let the motherfucker run his mouth. That's what he does. He's Adam fucking Cole, baby. I can't wait to see Adam Cole tomorrow night. Yeah, I guess that's a good little time to, to talk about it. You've got some big plans coming up tomorrow. I'm going to an NXT live show in Des Moines, Iowa tomorrow. Get my Adam Cole on. I'm excited. Now, Second row, right? Second row. On the right, ramp. So you, you'll be able to have somewhat of a good time. Yeah, I think if I'm sitting in the second row, I'll still be able to see Adam Cole. Because he's all of like, what, 5'9"? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think it'll be all right. I know you had your heart set on that front row again. Yeah, well, beggars well, I, can't I guess, be choosers. I guess you'll be all right. So uh, we can all be looking forward to uh, some hot photos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll have an NXT live review. I love doing live reviews what the merch stand looks like, what the crowd demographic looks like, what the house was like. Very interested. Very, very looking, interested. Looking forward to that. And the, the entire family's going, correct? So we'll be able to get like a, we'll get perspective from, from mom and the kids and see what, you know, what, how everyone takes in the NXT live event experience. It should be a good time. Anxious to see who all's on the show too. Anxious to see, because I think they run two tours actually. I think they run a, a Florida loop. And then they have yeah. a touring loop. And I've seen a little bit of inconsistency as to who's on what circuit right now. So I'm kind of interested to see who's going to be there. As long as I get fucking Adam Cole, I'll be all right. You're all right. Anything else that you wanted to bring up about NXT this week? 
Yeah, man, you know what? Uh, like I said, I, I, I have been guilty of waiting up until a takeover and just sitting down and binge watching. I'm going to change that game plan. I'm going to start tuning in every week. I, I, had a great, I had a great time watching this. I was on the edge of my seat. I, I'm excited moving forward, and I'm really looking forward to takeover. This was such a good episode of NXT. I almost didn't miss Lucha Underground this week. Almost. I do miss Lucha Underground. So I guess that's it for episode nine and a half. 9.5, however you want to say it. Coming up next week, we continue to build the Survivor Series and all things red and blue. Dive a little bit further into uh, some financials. We didn't even talk about that today. I think we're going we're, we're gonna to sit on that and... Uh, really examine it give it a couple of days to sit in there's a lot of information there folks a lot of information there was a lot that just came out as we had our run sheet going on well the conference call just happened so neither of us have had a chance to listen to it or really i mean i've had about 45 minutes to really look at these financials and there's just way too much information to try to form an opinion on at this point so i think what's so much going on are we going to try to shoot for a special special episode just kind of dedicated to running down the numbers a wise man once told me you never can always sometimes tell but yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> all right all right we also get ready for the road to power struggle looking forward to that show and finally the episode 10 rib comes to a close that's a teaser that rick doesn't even know about as well as the NXT live review. I am thrown for a loop there. I, I, I will be waiting along with the listeners to, to find out what the hell you're talking about. The 10 episode rib comes to a close. Be sure that you follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find the show on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. Be sure that you subscribe to Hitting the Marks on iTunes or Podbean so that you never miss an episode. Drop us that five-star Meltzer rating. And if you can, maybe a little review. Tell us how great we are. Kind of like Charlotte. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? Uh, as always, you can head on over to Twitter and catch up with me at the Real RBV. I would also encourage listeners to head on over to Facebook and check us out on the WrestleZone discussion group. Right now, we have a lot of fun interactive threads going on. Probably standing out amongst all of those, though, is our we are accepting our nominations for the WrestleZone Year in Awards. Uh, it's a three-part phase process that we've got going on. It's going to run us through the end of the year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'd also like to invite everyone to head on over to the GorillaPosition.com. It's a tremendous magazine-style magazine style site loaded with exclusive interviews and features that you're not going to find anywhere else on the Internet. Little self, uh, little self plug there. My newest article will be dropping this Saturday. We're gonna be taking a look. We're gonna be going inside all things Wrestling Society X. Ooh, I'm intrigued. When did you say that drops? Saturday. Saturday. Sometime Saturday afternoon it will be posted there, and I'll be sure to, to to tag and share the link to it. And really appreciate everyone go over and check that out for me. I'll be sure to check that out. Watch I'm conscious from the NXT show. All right, everyone, that's it for episode nine and a half. And that's it for this week. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up.
That's the bad guy. Violet! 